Sunday, December the 11th. Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. We're continuing our theme of rain. Because we've been asking the question in different ways and in different places, who reigns? Who's in charge when there's a global pandemic? The war in Ukraine, the cost of living crisis, and in the midst of it all, the death of our longest serving monarch, the Queen. Who, who's reigning? Who's in charge? Is anyone or anything in control of what sometimes seems out of control? And, and maybe you're asking that question at a more personal level. Who reigns? Are we in charge? Are we in control of our own lives? And, and if maybe we feel in some measure we are, how's that working out for us? as we come to the end of 2022. It is our human condition, isn't it? Our human nature to long to reign, to be in control of our own destiny. But I guess at the heart of it all, we know that being in charge, being in control, is nothing more than an illusion. But at the end of it all, we're not really in charge. There is so much that's out of our control that someone else somewhere is pulling your strings, if not yanking your chain. Who knows what I'm talking about? So much has been said in recent months about the Queen, and uh, rightly so. Whatever your particular views of the monarchy as an institution... There is a large consensus that her life carried a beauty and a dignity that so many of us admired. That she embodied qualities that carried a depth. How do we understand that? Where does that kind of life come from? At the beginning of her reign, there was a deeply personal moment right in the middle of the most public of moments that helped make sense of so much of who she was. Her coronation at Westminster Abbey was the most televised event in history up until that point. 27 million people tuning in on TV and another 11 million tuning in on the radio. But there was one moment that she refused to have televised, too personal, too intimate. It was the moment when the new monarch would be anointed by the Archbishop of Canterbury as a sign that God had called her. It was a sign that her reign, her authority, her power was itself subject to a greater authority, a greater reign. So in preparation for her anointing, she took off all those symbols 
and of her status and authority. The crimson velvet robe, the diamond diadem and the commonwealth necklace. Everything that symbolized the status and power and authority. And then dressed as an ordinary woman in a very plain white dress. She readied herself to be anointed. It was a sign that for all her earthly power and all her earthly status and all her earthly authority, that that was nothing without the rule and reign of God in her life. And so she disappeared from view for this most personal and private moment when she would be anointed to place her life as firmly and as centrally as she could under the reign of God. I guess what she needed to do in that moment perhaps is something that we all understand we might need to do. To recognize that whatever control or sense of reign or sense of power or sense of being in charge of our own destiny we might have, that at the end of it all, it's the reign of God that we need. It's often said of the Queen, rightly so, that she never expressed an opinion. And in so many ways, that was the way that she lived, not really expressing what she thought about various things personally, except, except again and again and again, she would refer to Jesus Christ in her life as the one that gave her strength and meaning and purpose. And she consistently invited everyone else to discover what she understood that she herself had discovered. I know just how much I rely on my faith to guide me through. I know that the only way to live my life is to put my trust in God. And it stems from that moment, that private personal moment of anointing where she stood before God and declared that without his reign in her life, she was nothing. The Queen Mother would later say that that was the most significant moment in Elizabeth's life. Not just the coronation in all its uh, publicness and pageantry, but that private moment that made sense of who she was and who she would become. So I guess... As we look around, we all are asking the question, is our own reign enough? In its broader sense, we know that our own reign isn't enough. We've acted like we're in charge, both globally and internationally and nationally and socially and relationally. We've acted like we're in charge and we've ended up in a model. We've ended up in the mess that describes the human race, the strife and the pain and the disappointment and the disorientation. Being in charge has not worked out so well. And maybe you come to the end of this year and you know that personally in your life, that your reign, your control over your own life is not enough, that you need something more. She the queen that is, submitted to a higher authority. And maybe I know that I need to 
as well. But what's God's reign like? What's it like to to give of ourselves to a, a reign that is bigger and beyond us? Well, Isaiah the prophet, years before Jesus, described what this reign is like. A, a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. In fact, uh, in the original uh, writings, it was probably wonderful, comma, counselor, both wonder and counsel. So what's God's reign like? It's like a reign of wonder. Who could do with more wonder in their lives? More beauty, more otherness, a sense of being caught up in something bigger and greater than ourselves. It's, it's why nature restores us and speaks to us, isn't it? Because we get this sense of being part of something bigger and greater. God's reign is the place of wide-eyed wonder. Just think about that for a moment. God's reign is the place of wide-eyed I'd wonder. But also it's the place of great counsel, a reign of healing. The expert counselor that draws out the things that are dark within us. that The pains, the hurts, the disappointments, the regrets, the guilts and the shames. All those things that, that lurk within us. And the great counselor draws those things out. The reign of God is like the perfect Counselor, the great healer who comes to the darkest, deepest places of our lives and brings a a renewal, a freedom, a healing, a release. Maybe that's the rain that we would love in our lives as we come to the end of this year. Maybe that's the kind of rain that we'd be much more willing to embrace, a, a rain of wonder and healing, but it's also a rain of, of strength in those moments when we know what we should do, when we know the right thing to do, yet we feel powerless to do it. Isaiah says that the rain of God comes bringing strength because the mighty God is present. What do you need strength for? What do you need strength for to to be right? I don't mean right in an argument, but to be the right person, to be who you were made to be. What do you need strength for to live right, to choose right? Queen often talked of the strength that she had found. We can surely be grateful that 2,000 years after the birth of Jesus, so many of us are able to draw inspiration from his life and message and to find in him a source of courage and strength. Sorry, a source of strength and courage. But it's not just wonder and healing and strength. It's a reign of belonging. And one of the most painful things that many of us carry is that sense of not belonging. That, that moment when we feel, for whatever reason, on the outside. And obviously in my life I talk to lots of people about their lives and their stories and their journeys. And so many people talk about moments that deeply affected them because they were on the outside. There was an invitation but it wasn't to them. People were chosen but they weren't. People did this but it wasn't available to them And so on. And yet the reign of God is an invitation for all to belong. An everlasting father. Don't know what your father was like. But the reign of God brings to our lives the father that all of us have ever longed for. 
however good our earthly fathers were or not, this father brings his reign and welcomes us all the way home. The Queen, in one of her Christmas messages, talked about the love of God and that there is, just at the end there, there is no one beyond its reach. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Everyone invited, everyone included, everyone drawn in. And finally, not just wonder and healing and strength and belonging, but also a reign of peace. Peace isn't just the absence of war, although we would long for that. Peace is about an internal reality, a centeredness, a contentment. Paul would say later, talking about the Christian faith, in all circumstances, I found myself to be content, to be at peace. But I guess we might say, well, what's the use in this world of all of that kind of rain? Because I don't see it. I, I don't know it. I don't experience it. What's the use of God's rain up there in the heavens somewhere when we're down here in the muddle and in the mess of it all? If this rain is so great, then where is it? Well, the miracle of Christmas is this. The miracle of Christmas is that God came and brought that rain, his rain, into our mess. For to us a child is born and to us a son is given and the rule, the government, the reign will be on his shoulders. Wonderful, counsellor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. God's rule And God's reign has come. Years later in that reading that the the four guys, fathers and sons, read to us, it says, "To, to all who've received him, to those who've believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. For all who said, yes, I want this reign in my life. It was freely given and freely on offer. His wonder has come. His healing is here. His strength available. The invitation to belong has been sent out. His peace is there for the receiving. And like the Queen in that moment, will we recognize that for all that we have, we need to bring our lives under this kind of reign. To take control of ourselves at whatever level ends in the mess that we all experience. But maybe if a little less, control and a little bit more surrender to this kind of reign for the God who came into our mess. Let's think about the nativity afresh from that point of view. The Christmas Story. How would you explain it? How would you picture Christmas if you could frame it? The nativity, right? Shepherds watching their flocks by night. Wise men trekking whilst tracking a sat-nav starlight with Mary and Joseph, humbled by the sight of little baby Jesus tucked in tight. That's Christmas, right? Propped up with straw and reeds and a tray of animal feed and cushioned in. Hey, I know it sounds quite cosy and nice, 
Reality was, there was no room for the little guy on that Bethlehem night. He kept in a cradle. Animals as roommates. I'm not trying to pick holes in the stay of the place. I'm just saying the way they were staying was just short of space. We talk about entrance. His birth from a dress meant Jesus literally arrived in the mess. Well, less about the birthplace and the state of the floor. I mean, there's more to the Christmas story than the deck of straw. Flip forward eight days. In the temple, this little guy's the reason for praise. From the lips of a guy called Sim who's in his old age. For years, Sim waited in anticipation, but then the old met the new. My eyes have seen your salvation. The newborn Jesus from messy manger to a passing of the baton just eight days later. Seeing the mess of the birth comes a new age. And what's more, the birth was foretold in a mess age. Which brings us back to the cast. At the nativity set, you see, it was a message that guided their stable footsteps. An angel postman popped round, said Mary'd found favour, a save the date declaration, you'll give birth to the saviour. He'd be son of the most high, born through the spirit, heir to David's throne, his reign without limit to Joseph. Call him Jesus, he really will bless, cause he came to save people from all their mess. To the shepherds, he's here to rescue. That's why he's come. The reason for good news of joy, he's the one. As for the wise men, they figured the news. They gave gifts and paid homage to little king of the Jews. See, God brought the message, so they entered the mess to see Jesus' arrival at the nativity set. But let's back up a sec. See, this rhetoric rings a bell. Back in the day, Isaiah waxed lyrical about a future, Emmanuel, God with us, one who be central to the story of forgiveness. So zoom out from the Christmas postcard, a message 700 years prior. He'll be a light to the searchers that spread salvation, says Isaiah. See, the angel's news, it wasn't new. In fact, these nativity messages echoed God's promises right through the ages. These messages read Jesus, speaking hope to the earth, predicting his arrival centuries before the birth. Thing is, when Christmas comes round, maybe there's a danger that we go Pinterest with Christmas and just pin up the manger in the nativity scene. It's like rating a whole film by watching one scene or thinking you know a novel because you had a quick look. You get the whole story by skim reading one page in a book. And what I said before, about him born in the mess and the deck out of straw, maybe it could also be a metaphor for all the mistakes, all the messiness in life and what that creates, all the stuff in this world that just doesn't sit right. There was a reason he was born on that first Christmas night. He was born in the mess to make the wrong right. He's the message of hope. Because out of the mess, saw God news birth that will certainly bless. Frame the stable, sure, but don't miss the picture. It was a message declared since the beginning of scripture. A war in the mess, but there's only one victor. A heel bruised, but be good news for sure. The very promise became flesh in that deck out of straw. See, from the mess comes a message and there's none that is higher. Because what follows the mess is I-A-H, mess, I am. In a moment, uh, Claire's going to come and just help us think about how do we allow the reign of God into
our mess, whatever our mess might be. But before we do that, there's just one last thing that, uh, that Isaiah was keen for us to understand, even years before Jesus came. That this rain, this rain that Jesus brought at Christmas, was one that would never end. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He reigns for ever. And one of the things that troubles us is what's next, what's around the corner, not just tomorrow, but that sense of what is our eternal tomorrow? Where is all this heading? Where is it going? And how do I make sense of all of that? In this Christmas, we are reminded that the reign of God has come and it is an eternal reign, a forever kingdom forever reigning. In the midst of COVID, the Queen broke her tradition to make an Easter broadcast. She spoke of the message of hope that Jesus brings even in the face of death. As dark as death can be, light and life are greater. May the living flame of the Easter hope be a steady guide. It's that hope that she longed for all of us during COVID. It's that hope that Christians all over the world celebrate this Christmas. A light and life that's greater than all that we know and experience when we live just under our own reign, just under our own control. The reign of God has come. So how do we respond? Claire will help us think about that. As you came in, I hope you got given a postcard. If you didn't, come find me at the end and I will give you one uh, so that you can take it home. And on the postcard is written the words uh, that we had from that Bible verse. Can we have my slide, please? Simon, thank you. The words from that Bible verse. And we're going to sing again in just a moment. But before we do, I would love you to think about these two questions. I'm not going to make you talk about them with your neighbor or anything like that. But as you were watching the video, as you were hearing Simon talk, I'm sure the word mess jumped out at you just like it did me. There's all kinds of mess that we face in our world. Not just talking about teenagers' bedrooms, but there are a few of those in here. The mess, perhaps, of how you feel about your finances or the mess of a friendship or a relationship that doesn't feel particularly good at the moment. It feels messy. Perhaps it's a mess in a friendship group or even how your brain is telling you you are living at the moment. It feels messy. Let's just pause really quietly for a second. When I say the word mess, what mess comes to mind? And I'm asking that you take your postcard right now. And as you think of that mess, we're going to use the next song to invite Jesus, King Jesus, into that mess. And those verses talk about, and as Simon reminded us, that the name of God is Wonderful Counselor. I don't know, maybe some of us feel like we need a counselor at the moment. 
Maybe we feel like we need more wonder in our life at the moment. That maybe those things would help the mess. Maybe we need God's might in our life. Or the fact that he's our everlasting father. Or that we have a prince of peace. Which name of Jesus jumps out to you that you're holding on to this Christmas? So if you've got a postcard, why don't you take it? You might want to write your mess on that. You might just want to hold it in your hand. And as the band sing the first part of the next song to us, let's just quietly before God invite him into the mess and ask him to be one of those names to us this Christmas time.